Hey everybody, Joe here from the Lions Led by Donkeys podcast. If you enjoy what we do here on the show and you think it's worth your hard-earned money, you can support the show via Patreon. Just a $1 donation gets you access to bonus episodes, our Discord, and regular episodes before everybody else. If you donate at an elevated level, you get even more bonus content. A digital copy of my book, The Hooligans of Kandahar, and a sticker from our Teespring store. Our show will always be ad-free and is totally supporter-driven. We use that money to pay our bills, buy research materials that make this show possible, and support charities like the Kurdish Red Crescent, the Flint Water Fund, and the Halo Trust. Consider joining the Legion of the Old Crow today. And now back to the show. Welcome to another episode of Lines Up by Donkeys podcast. I'm Joe, and with me is Liam. Hi, Joe. Oh, thank you, buddy. <laughs> yeah, I'm back on the pod circuit now. Do, uh, doing the pod rounds. Doing the pod rounds. Yeah, I uh, I was I was on the uh, the, the uh, injury list for a while there. The podcast uh, injured reserve. Yeah, the deep deep on the bench. Uh, so we had to. Uh, but now I'm here. All is well. If podcasts had like a minor league or like the AHL, what would it be? Uh, I feel like that's what podcasts already are for like getting an actual radio show. Yeah, I don't know, man. I mean, I think like I guess it depend- depends on how you define like listeners and shit because there's like huge leftist podcasts and then there's sort of the next tier. Like we're, I think, the AHL. Well, I we're don't, big, consider, I don't like- consider us like... A political show. I consider. No, I was talking about. Well, there's show. a problem. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I would say, especially with like your listener base, I would say you're solidly like NHL tier, but maybe like the. I would say the Florida Panthers, but they made the players. This they made the playoffs this year. <laughs> like, uh, so you're not in the draft lottery anymore. No, we yeah we're we're we do all right. I mean, I I think it's like, but there's such a divide between like the huge ones and then even us. Yeah, yeah, it's true. I'm I'm curious where we fall on the AHL scale for uh, for history. Oh, Hershey Bears. Is that the name of the AHL team there? The Hershey Bears. Yeah. All right. They're fucking good, dude. Well, then we're below them. (laughs) No, because we're the best of the worst. You have like the super serious history shows, like you know the 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 hardcore histories, the um, histories of Rome, anything by Mike Duncan, really. and then, like you have thirty six hours on World War One. Go listen to it. That shit rules. Uh, yeah, Blueprint Armageddon is fucking. I was awesome. working this fucking shitty job, and it was right around when my ex girlfriend broke up with me, and I started drinking heavily and listened to Blueprint Armageddon. Honestly, I actually was listening to it under the, almost the same circumstances, except I was work. I was working a really shitty job as a medic in a factory. Um, That sounds horrible. It was the most boring job I've ever had. Um, And the factory was just awful. So like I literally sat in office for 12 hours a day, three days a week. um, And I was allowed to have my phone in the office, but not outside of it. Right. So I I consumed vast quantities of hardcore history. But like under the serious history shows, you have the funny history shows, which I don't I guess we qualify as (laughs) neither of us are comedians. Um, We're not we're not especially funny people. Yeah. Um if you find being grim at all times funny, then we're your guys, but yeah. Uh we're somewhere in like the the I don't know, like 
the the serious history, like the Dan Carlins, Mike Duncans, it's like NHL. Um, the funny history guys are like the KHL. <laughs> um, and we might be the next tier down to that, which might be like the QMHL. We like we're like Sweden or someone. Yeah, we're we're like the Swedish first league or something. <laughs> uh, there are worse ways to make a living. Yeah, I'm not complaining. It's a lockout. You know, we got to go get our reps in. Uh, it's it's not so bad. You know, I, uh, I always laugh when people are just like, oh, like, how's the podcast going? I'm like, still doing great. Still not really sure how. <laughs> Yeah, I think I've talked before, but I occasionally get emails from people like they want to start their own shows, which I think you should. I mean, fuck it. Why not? Um, It's like one of the few versions of entertainment that has a very low bar of entry. Uh, But I have no idea how to make a podcast successful. (laughs) Um, Speaking of having no idea how to make things successful, uh, we are talking about uh, probably one of top 10 most requested uh, things today. Uh, the Dieppe raid. Are are you familiar with the Dieppe raid? Uh, vaguely. I feel like that's most people. It's like unless you're Canadian. Uh, they, 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 yeah, the Canadians and the tanks were trying to do like an amphibious assault, right? But it didn't go so good. That's yeah, that's it. Um, that was long and short of it. Uh, so like in the annals of warfare, there's occasionally a battle or an operation so famous, uh, so groundbreaking, so revolutionary. It's like the first thing that comes to your mind when someone brings up that kind of thing. Like when you think of amphibious landings, you probably think of like Operation Overlord or D-Day, right? Yes. Um, when you think of urban warfare, like what do you think? Battle of Mogadishu. Mogadishu, uh, Stalingrad, um, you know, maybe some more recent things, unfortunately. Um yeah, we will never call over cover the battle of Stalingrad right here, right now, folks. <laughs> Surprise! I've hit you with a swerve. Uh, this is the start of a 10-part series in Stalingrad. So their operations so fucked up that nobody ever really likes to talk about them. Um, uh, whether that because they went so incredibly badly that there's no way to spin it, or they they spin it to make it look um, good for history books. Dieppe oh, is one of those. Um Actually, like Dieppe is like the textbook version of that. What are uh, some other ones? I'm, now I'm trying to think because I feel like uh, I mean, what's the what's the evacuation that they made a movie after Dunkirk? Dunkirk, yeah, it was like, but like that went didn't that go well tactically? But like it was just a humiliation. Yeah, Dieppe went sh- or Dieppe uh, Dunkirk went shockingly well, uh, and a lot of that is like in the modern retelling of it. Um, it's like you know the grit and determination of the British people, and not like sure. the French military launching a suicidal well, rear guard action asses, to protect yeah. them. <laughs> <laughs> um, and that was that's like that's a German fuck up, a hundred percent. Rather than like that, you, things can be a tactical fuck up and a rousing success simultaneously. Like the Germans should have wiped them out at Dunkirk, and but you know the the Germans being bad at their job meant the British were able to skirt out. Um, I'm, I'm trying to think of stuff that's like because the thing that comes to mind is is the Civil War, but that also gets wrapped up in weird lost cause bullshit nonsense. Uh, there, there's cases like that. Um, like honestly, the, the Russo Japanese war comes to mind, but nobody actually learned those lessons except right. maybe the Japanese, uh, cause everybody was so fucking racist. They didn't want to learn uh, about all of the things the Japanese learned about modern warfare before world war one started. Um, and, uh, like Dieppe comes to mind because as we'll talk about it, you realize that it's more and more and more of a catastrophic fuck up that it's spun 
Not so much anymore, admittedly. Uh, well, not by Canadians, but by British, it still is. That, well, if it wasn't for Dieppe, we simply wouldn't have been able to successfully carry out Operation Overlord like two years later. Um, sure. Complete yes, bullshit. I, I have heard that. Yeah. Um, like, it's the opposite of it. This is a, a Mario to Wario relationship. If, if, what? Like, <laughs> if, if D-Day is Mario, Dieppe is Wario. I don't know if that works. Nope. I'm sticking to it. Um, so uh, D- the Dieppe raid was Canada's, though I don't want to call it Canada's, because Canada didn't really have the freedom of choice here, <laughs> uh, as they were still... Well, there's still a... a conf- uh, uh, not a colony. What is it? What are they? Uh, they were. I mean, they're still. I guess they're still technically Commonwealth, um, but they fell fully under British command uh, yeah. for the most part. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Though the Canada, Canada's generals are not free of blame here. Uh, we'll talk about that in a bit. But this was an attempted amphibious landing in Europe in August of 1942, full two years before the Normandy landings. Um, Dieppe failed so hard. It was considered a step-by-step checklist of what not to do in all future amphibious landings going forward through the rest of the war. And honestly, forever, as long as people keep daydreaming about amphibious landings, that simply won't fucking happen anymore. Um, it's, it's an anachronism like paratroopers. Like, There's no point for this shit anymore. The people still daydream about it. Um, like The Marines still largely exist based on circle jerking about this shit. Uh, <laughs> despite the fact that the largest amphibious landing of World War II was done by the army, but you know, whatever. Um, and that is often why people explain this away as being necessary. Like, well, if what, like, like I said, if we didn't fuck up here, we wouldn't have learned anything, but as you'll find, like, yeah, that's f- how I treat my first year of college too. And that's, that's $60,000 right. lit on fire. Boys and girls don't do that. If I, if I simply didn't fail horribly, how was I oh, supposed to learn to pay attention? Governor Andrew Cuomo, yes. <laughs> <laughs> like, and the failures weren't, it's kind of like when we talked about Tarawa, right? Like when, when we went over the failures of Tarawa, they were all pretty common sense. That's the same thing here. Um, they, they didn't learn anything revolutionary here. Um, right. I mean, it went so badly that to this day, there are conspiracy theories that the Germans knew about it in advance uh, in advance. What? And like and like they had been waiting for them, um, which we'll, you know, we'll go into a little bit about that. And so why did an allied force mostly made up of Canadians with some British and a couple Americans thrown in for good measure? Uh, launch an operation planned by a pedophile and future IRA assassination target, Louis Mountbatten, raid a French beach and lose 50% of its men. Well, uh, <laughs> here comes the ambush. Here comes the ambush. Yes, this is the Troubles episode now. Now, if you'll join me in booing Joe off the stage so I can release the Troubles episode as God intended, uh, I have Nate tied up in the basement. It's time. It's time for the Troubles episode, ladies and gentlemen. You know what? I'm going to steer this rapidly away because the last time I talked about the IRA, a journalist got murdered and I had to, write, I had to do a fucking bumper beforehand. Oh, um, yeah. <laughs> also, we don't plagiarize while we're just throwing stuff in. No, um, uh, like, it's weird. Uh, <laughs> so I, I have to say, alleged pedophile. Uh, <laughs> I don't think the, the <laughs> right. I don't. I don't think the 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 royal family is going to sue me for shitting on Louis Mountbatten, but <laughs> you know, whatever. We'll we're be talking in America. We can do whatever we want, dude. Unfortunately, our producers in the UK. Uh, for oh, now, I forgot. <laughs> 
Now, um, we do, we will talk a little more at length about Ma- uh, Mountbatten here uh, in the future, um, a couple uh, uh, minutes from now. Uh, but also, the process to get this far is a lot dumber um, than you than you Why probably think. Be? And admittedly, I thought going into this that this was just a badly planned operation, which you know it was. But it turned out to be even worse plan than I had previously thought, which is quite impressive. Um, so way back, uh, think back a few years before this in 1940, um, the British Expeditionary Force had been kicked off the continent uh, and you know had carried out the Dunkirk evacuation. And one of the things that the British really wanted to do in order to reach beyond their holdings at home uh, to continue to strike at the Germans was to commit to a tactic of raiding via amphibious assaults, which fell under the combined operation headquarters. Um, And also, like, there's this weird, like, you know, this is like uh, Britain stand alone. Like, if you look at the help of another country doing it, yeah, like several other countries. (laughs) And if you if you look at the map, like. This is still solid. I mean, this is the waning days of the British Empire, but they still control the vast quantity of the fucking planet. <laughs> right. Like, they, the British islands didn't stand alone. Come on, guys. Like, I understand this is like a propaganda thing, but it's 2022. It's time to move on. Um, there are brave, voluntold Canadians. Yeah. And, and Indians. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and various Africans. And, you know, I remember when they got mad at Dunkirk for including uh, brown people, even though brown people absolutely would have been at Dunkirk. They did the same thing with the uh, was it 1917? Yeah. Uh yeah, uh, they had a Sikh soldier um and, and you know they did completely discounting the fact that vast quantities of uh Indian soldiers fought in World War 1 then went home with uh no benefits whatsoever only to be forgotten about by the empire. Cool. Same thing happened to the Africans and actually happened to the Gurkhas until like 10 years ago. Yeah. <laughs> England bad. Anyway, now, uh, uh, generally, the idea for these raids was to be, uh, you know, done with specially trained commandos. The, their job was to be, you know, secret scroll shit. Uh, uh, their whole training, you know, this is where the British commandos come from. And eventually, you know, the SAS is raiding airfields. These, and this is a, effectively the birthplace of the Royal Commandos. Um, and as we'll find out that uh, this, this is a concept called mission creep. Right, uh, where yes. <laughs> you come up with this brilliant idea, and then uh, come up with—I mean, quote unquote, brilliant idea. <laughs> They're generally not. Um, and you and like, okay, well, to do that, we need specially trained people. You need specialists to do this effectively. And then you l- end up liking this brilliant idea so much, it quickly outpaces the amount of specially trained people you have. Um, the U.S. has done this quite frequently in the last twenty years. Uh, and the British kind of did that within two years. Um, they, they, their, their raiding ideas quickly outpaced the amount of raiders they had. Sure. Also, a small side note here. The Combined Operations Headquarters badge, um, I, I noticed this for some reason because my brain doesn't work correctly. Um, it's supposed to be an eagle, a submachine gun, and an anchor, which is rad. However... When you put it on a patch, it kind of looks like an eagle with a huge dick. Uh, with, America, which is oh, yeah, it's a different even kind of even when we don't show up, we get the badge. <laughs> you know, you want to be threatened by an eagle with the submachine gun, but there's something weirdly threatening about eagle hanging dong. Um, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Who, 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 who put a band on the moon first? 
And to be fair, there's someone out there that's like eagle hanging dung, you say. It's like, that's their thing. Don't, don't do that. That's a federal crime, folks. It's a protected animal. <laughs> don't hang dong on eagles. Um, now, when you think of it, this kind of makes sense. The, the rating tactics, not the eagle with the comically okay. large penis. Okay. All right. Uh, I'm tracking. I hope. <laughs> the British had the Royal Navy for sea deterrence, the Royal Air Force for air deterrence. And this force was able, was supposed to be able to reach out and be a land deterrent. At a tactical level, these types of missions could accomplish specific objectives, like capturing a radar station or destroying German dry docks. Um, at a strategic level, commando operations were really good PR, um, as as kind of dumb that sounds. Because after Dunkirk, despite the fact that was, like we said, pretty pretty good thing to pull off, uh, even after the, the victory of the Battle of Britain, which this will occur after that, um, it was thought of like a, a, a stinging to your morale that the fact that you were kicked off the mainland. Uh, you weren't fighting the Germans on land. Uh, so this idea that you could send out commandos to fuck with the Germans is really good for morale. Sure. Um, and not to mention... Right for the same thing, right? Yeah, pretty much. Um, okay. And not to mention, this: if your shores are constantly being blown up by random groups of angry dudes with fancy mustaches and weird names... Um, like you have to, ex- <laughs> you have to expand or extend your land forces out to defend them. So this will slowly overstretch Germany more than it already is. Right. right. Um, now this plan, this raid of somewhere um, on the French coast, was originally called Operation Rudder, um, and ended up being way too many things all at once, and all of them ended up being bad. Uh, now, Operation Rudder would eventually turn into Operation Jubilee, uh, which was the official name for the Dieppe raid. But Rudder came first, and there's a reason why these two things go hand in hand. Now, at this point of the European theater of World War II, most of the fighting was in the Eastern Front. Go figure. And the North Africa campaign was grinding on, uh, and it would for probably like another year. Um, mm-hmm. But it might shock you uh, when I say 1941 and 1942. The Eastern Front wasn't going great. Uh, <laughs> Put it um, lightly, Joe. Yeah, uh, seems bad. Uh, you know, Joseph Sp- uh, Stalin spent way too much time invading Finland and Poland while being Joseph bros. Kasabian invaded Finland. <laughs> yeah, I did. Yeah. Wow, you're a bastard, man. Yeah, those motherfuckers had it coming. Um, all the snow. I, I don't know anything <laughs> yes, about Finland. Yes, the the famous Armenia Finland beef dating back <laughs> yeah. thousands of years to time immemorial. Yeah, I I want their cold weather. Um, yeah, like, but you know, Joseph Stalin spent way too much time getting his ass kicked in the Winter War and splitting yeah. Poland with the Nazis while being overly friendly and sending oil to them to prepare his own country for a war that everybody told him was coming. And when it did, he was fucked. Um, he was solidly screwed for the first couple of years of the campaign, and we talked more about this in our Kursk series. We'll listen to that. Um, but fire yeah. mines. Yeah, things bad on the Eastern Front for quite a while. Um, Now, but one of the things that Stalin wanted everybody to do uh, was to open a second front somewhere else in Europe. Uh, This would force the Germans to divort precious war material and men from the East to give the Soviets some breathing room. Obviously, that would eventually happen uh, with both the invasion of Italy and the invasion of of, uh, like France with D-Day. And uh, but. This is 1942. That's not coming yet. Uh, the Allies simply lacked the ability, the planning, and you know, the overall manpower to do that yet. 
Um, But that didn't mean they didn't want to show Stalin that like, hey, we're allies. Keep fighting. Uh, They wanted to like this was going to be a propaganda coup, not only for the British, but also for the Soviets that like it's going to force the Nazis to pull some shit away. It doesn't work that way, but that's the goal. Uh, And your balls in your face, a war on two fronts. (laughs) You know, in the short term, the British and their Commonwealth forces, as well as the Americans, thought this would be the best thing to do would be send out more raids, give a high five to Stalin while pouring material into the Red Army and slowly but surely piss off the Germans to the point they end up having to, you know, fortify the the Atlantic coast, which would be a material sink. Right. And when did they really start ramping up the Atlantic wall after this? <laughs> okay. That's my question. All right. Well, I mean, the Atlantic wall uh, was like a stop start thing for a while, okay. uh, but it really ramped up after this. Um, it, you know, like a lot of its morale, some of its tactical and for the Americans who were barely involved in Dieppe at all, they had really just stood up the concept of Rangers and they wanted to try them out. Uh, so like, cause they're, tr- they're training with British commandos. It's in like when br- I get a graphics card to try to overclock it as far as possible. As soon as I get it out of the box, like an asshole. <laughs> <laughs> now within the first few years, um, like remember the British had been kicked off the continent, uh, which was, you know, unpopular. They had won the aerial battle of Britain and ground-based raids would show the British military and public. They were still in this thing while the British solidly had an air advantage. The Germans had this thing called all of continental Europe. Uh, so they could just kind of hide over the mainland, right? The, like the British had an indisputable air, uh, advantage here as long as they fought over the channel. Uh, obviously if the Germans were over their own lines, you're running into German radar, anti-aircraft defenses, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So what the Germans would do is simply hide. Uh, the British wanted to continue to pound them from the air and pull them out from behind that protective curtain. Which is another layer here. As you can tell, Operation Rudder is quickly spiraling out of control. Yep. <laughs> like, we're going to do this large-scale raid that makes Stalin happy, makes everybody in, in, in England happy. We got to blood the Americans. Oh, and now we need to defend the fucking or defeat the fucking Luftwaffe. Like, it's going to go well. Perfect. Yeah. And thus, Operation Rudder, uh, the planning for Operation Rudder began to spiral and build. Um and brace your, brace yourself for a full broadside of British royal naming. I'm Enter bracing. Prince Louis Francis Albert Victor Nicholas Mountbatten, first Earl Mountbatten of Burma. Uh, <laughs> no, I should be clear. He wasn't like he didn't have the of Burma thing yet. That comes later, but that's his full name by the time he dies. Um, nope, nope, not gonna say anything. Now, previous to this, Louis Mountbatten had been recalled as captain of the HMS Illustrious and made an advisor on the combined arms uh, or the combined operations headquarters within the British Army, despite the fact he was a naval officer since 1916 Um, and not a very good one. I'm shocked that he wasn't very good at his job. Yeah, he, I mean, he's a royal, right? He's he's going to move up the ranks regardless. He had no background at all in land operations. Of course he didn't. Um, and, uh, he was known according to an FBI Intel file on him written in 1944, quote, a person of extremely low morals and homosexual with a perversion for young boys. He is an unfit man, uh, to direct any sort of military operations because of this condition. 
Uh, it was further stated that his wife, Lady Mountbatten, was considered equally erratic. All right. Team of champions up here. <laughs> yeah. Um, now, um, outside of being an alleged pedophile. The <laughs> alleged, alleged. 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 We, can, we really can't state that part enough. He will not be the only alleged pedophile we talk about. <laughs> oh, come on, man. <laughs> it's, we're talking about the British military. What can I oh, do yeah, here? That's a, that's a good point. That's- now, uh, uh, other than being an alleged pedophile, Mountbatten was known for, at least in military circles that were forced to work with him, his charm, which in hindsight, after everything we just talked about, is kind of gross. Yeah. Um, yeah um, it's uh, not good. Now, I feel like this these these other military officers who say that he was charming um, is because that is the most neutral thing they could call him. Because remember, like he was a member of the royal family, and if you didn't like, yeah, Captain Mountbatten's great. Uh, he's he's a dashing, charming uh, naval officer. Like your career's gonna be fucking sink, man. So rather than like, uh, uh, we'll uh, do it charmingly. Yeah, uh, rather than uh, uh, I don't know. Um, Praise his military abilities. Be like, yeah, he he can talk real good. He's so good at talking. As I eat a ninety millimeter shell, <laughs> so y- y- calling him charming is literally the least that they could do. Because uh, of all the paperwork regarding his actual naval career, is really really bad. Uh, during this time, commanding the fifth destroyer flotilla, he fucked up so badly. His uh, eventual supervisor Dennis Healy said, "Quote: But for his birth, saved him a court martial that any other officer would have faced." So, yeah, cool. Also, he had very limited I combat experience. Yeah, that's right. Uh, I mean, f- he had very limited combat experience at sea. Uh, but he had absolutely none regarding land warfare or amphibious landings. So, of course, he was promoted beyond being just an advisor to being the Commodore of the Combined Operations Headquarters. Why not? Now, the reason for this will not surprise you. Churchill really liked him, um, and Churchill hated the guy he replaced, who was Admiral of the Fleet, Sir Roger Keyes, who was significantly more qualified than Mountbatten was. It had nothing to do with Mountbatten being good at his job. Churchill really liked Mountbatten. I mean, like, uh, I mean, this is hardly the first fuck up at an amphibious landing that Churchill would have his name written all over. Remember, he is the guy who played Gallipoli. Yeah. (laughs) Which which tells me he should have known better, but it's Churchill. Now, just for an example of things that uh, uh, Mountbatten did while holding this command before the Dieppe raid, he proposed to Churchill that the British Navy should build a 600 meter long aircraft carrier out of a substance known as Picrete. Um, like now, a, but like a, are we talking like a, I'm thinking like a floating dock that has to be tugged. Uh, Picrete is a mixture of ice with wood. Oh, I've heard about this. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I'm sure I was drunk and watching a history channel thing on this before. Yeah. They actually built like a scale replica, uh, in Canada during this time. Uh, it was an idea pitched to him by a guy named Jeffrey Pike. who was Noted for being a crazy person uh, who wanted to build what would have been the world's largest aircraft carrier ever out of ice. Um, Pike wasn't an engineer. He was a journalist and a bit of an eccentric. Um, and you can fill in the blanks with that. Means want to hear 40s. eccentric engineer. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And now I say the largest aircraft carrier ever. I fucking mean it. The runway of this Pikecrete thing would have been 2000 feet long. Now, for comparison, the Gerald Ford class supercarriers, uh, which are 
for now the largest aircraft carrier class in the world in the United States, has a runway of half of that. <laughs> it's like 1,200 feet long or something like that. Again, they, well, they what built a nice. They built a 60-foot model. Yeah. yeah 60 it, feet. I thought you meant, when you said scale model, I thought you meant, okay, like, I, I don't know what I was thinking. 60-foot scale model, 1,000 tons. Yeah, and it just like floated out on a lake in Canada for years or something. Yeah, wow. It would have, I mean, to his credit, like Pike pitched this as being indestructible, and I have no choice but to believe that because it would have been so fucking gigantic, it would have been impossible to kill. Uh, unless, freeze it, I guess. I don't uh, know. Unless you just die of hypothermia while serving in it. I don't know. Now, what I'm saying is Mountbatten is fucking stupid because he was. He was so convinced of this. And it's again, so was Churchill because Churchill greenlighted the testing um, and Churchill was huge fans of Mountbatten. This may have been why, at least at first, the chiefs of staff restricted Mountbatten to only planning small scale raids using very specially trained commandos with generally a little over 100 people involved. Though this would grow and grow and grow until Dieppe happened. Sure. Um, and even then, he had a lot of hand-holding from generals who, and admirals who knew what the fuck they were doing. Sure. Now, these raids, before Dieppe anyway, were generally considered successful. In 1942, before Dieppe, there was Operation Biting, where uh, the British commandos assaulted Brunval uh, in France and captured a German radar station for intelligence. Like, they could capture the station, take it apart, reverse engineer it, figure out how to defeat it, etc. Sure. And then there was a raid on St. Nevers, uh, which took out Normandy's dry dock. Uh, now, the raid on St. Nevers was technically successful, uh, but it probably should have successful. Yeah, you know, it's going places when I start off with saying it was technically successful. Um, it should have been a warning sign that these large scale raiding operations were uh, maybe not in the, the greatest. I mean, they did destroy the dock. They, well, they put it out of commission. Right. Um, but. I mean, I'm sure we'll talk about it more, especially when we eventually tackle uh, Operation Overlord. But um, it suffered 50% casualties. Oh, <laughs> Kill- that's okay. That's yeah, not, killed, not, captured, not so or otherwise. Good. <laughs> yeah. But uh, that's generally like, hmm, either we need to think smaller or not have Mountbatten uh, involved. Or, I mean, or simply bomb them. Like, you could have bombed the dry dock. Right. It didn't. It's cooler with it's cooler with raiders, right? Uh, they wanted to be sneaky, and very clearly they were not. Um, then in Saloni went down though, as the 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 planning of Operation Rudder went into overdrive. Originally, Churchill wanted to conduct a large scale raid throughout Norway or Cherbourg, um, until someone pointed out that um, actually, sir, those are so far away. If you did that, you would have no air support. Um, yep. So the plan had to shift and look for a target. Within the Calais coastline, uh, which so the British planes flying from Britain could support the operation. Right. Uh, finally, the port of Dieppe was picked because it's only 70 miles away from the British coast. And within that distance, they're easily able to provide cover, uh, uh, especially it was easy to travel from point A to point B and hopefully surprise the German defenders. Spoiler alert. None of that happens. But we'll get oh, no. there. <laughs> The plan also quickly grew in size, uh, eventually including tanks and infantry, eventually totaling like thousands of people. This does not feel like a small raid, Joe. No, this this rapidly spun out of control. Eventually, it involved 10,000 people, um, whether not, it be... That's not what I would define as a small raid, Joe. No, that's an invasion force. <laughs> um, I mean, not all of these guys were raiders, 
Well, none of them were, but um, like, oh, okay, <laughs> <laughs> we'll get there. It's it gets stupid, but like, not all these guys were going to land on the beach because remember, you're transporting these guys on boats. You need air cover. Okay, sure. You need to supply them. So eventually, this operation will en- encompass like spiral 10, out people. of control. Yeah. Now, like I already kind of gave away, this is going to require significantly more commandos than anybody had. Uh, so looking around to see what they had uh, in England. You know, it wasn't fighting in Africa or, you know, blown apart from fighting on the mainland from a couple of years ago. They settled on soldiers from General Bernard Montgomery Southeastern Command. Again, an alleged pedophile. <laughs> oh, yeah. We got another one. Yeah. On top of being a terrible general, Monty was also a fucking monster. Uh, and, uh, you know, his uh, Southeastern command was mostly made up of Canadians. However, according to Monty, if you want to believe a guy who really likes himself and, again, is an alleged pedophile, um, that isn't what happened. Like, they, someone didn't come to him and be like, we need your soldiers. Instead, according to Monty, Canadian Lieutenant General Harry Carrar, the uh, overall in command of the Canadian Corps, because its original commander, General Andrew McNaughton, was back in Canada because he was sick. Uh, demanded that Canadian soldiers be used in this operation. Again, according to Monty, Carr went over Monty's head, telling his boss, Sir Bernard Paget, that the Canadian soldiers absolutely had to be used for this operation, despite the fact they were not raiders. Um, yeah. They had no special training whatsoever, nor was any kind of special training done before this operation to teach these guys how to do an amphibious landing. Good, good, ideal. Why? Why? Why do you think that uh, Karar really wanted to use Canadians? Uh, because he knew it was going to suck. He really he had he was a self loathing Canadian. <laughs> like no guys, we deserve this. In like a hundred years, we won't have, we won't have won a Stanley Cup in like three decades. We deserve this punishment. Um, well, it was actually because Karar believed his soldiers were bored. Oh well, okay. I mean, I guess that's fair. And I'm, I swear to God, I'm not pulling this out of my ass. This is from uh, an article on Canada's history dot CA uh, by good. yeah by uh, Jack Garenstein. Um, like it's a, it, it's a Canadian government website. So like this is the best possible face they're putting on this. Um, okay, Canada's uh, history dot CA says quote. Overseas, Lieutenant General Harry Carr fretted about the continued lack of preparation operations and the difficulty of maintaining the desired keenness and morale. The Canadian generals knew the restless soldiers needed action, and the troops themselves were tired of being asked by their British girlfriends if they were ever going to fight, and they largely oh. shared that opinion. Quote, like every other soldier, Corporal Robert Prowse of the Canadian Provost Corps, which I need to remind you is like military police, recalled right. uh, in a published account in his war experiences, quote, I was bored to tears with lawn in action and was itching for battle. Everybody wanted and needed a big raid on the continent. So, yeah, their girlfriends were dogging at them. <laughs> that's, that's embarrassing, man. Now, a further underlying of this is Karar saying, uh, when talking to his friend, quote, it'll be a tragic humiliation if American troops get into action in Europe before Canadians. We have been waiting in England for three years. Yeah. So boredom, yeah, pride, bad. and getting dunked on by their girlfriends. That sucks. Yeah. What a way to go, man. Also, on the flip side of this, how, like, you're, I mean, I was a soldier, granted, I mean, I know that our, our 
vibes and, and morale is different. If I was deployed to a war and all I had to do is sit in like in a nice peaceful place with beer and women everywhere for three years, I'd be in yeah, fucking I, heaven. I, find a way to do that. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, in like 10 years, you're like, yeah, I fought World War II. What, where were you fighting? Oh, mostly VD. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's the life, man. I mean, I'm sure all of these guys immediately reject, uh, immediately regret looking this gift horse in the mouth after Diap. Like, wow, we had a fucking paid. I don't care if she if she cheats on me. It was warm <laughs> over there. Phil, I got some bad news. As soon as what happened when you got in that landing craft, <laughs> like, oh, Pierre's not coming back, is he? Now, uh, so yeah, like I said, boredom, getting dunked on by other girlfriends, and pride. And that's how we go from only doing raids with highly trained commandos to some Bullshit. Canucks who happen to just be sitting around. <laughs> and hey, since the commandos were horribly mauled at St. Navarre, despite all of their training, that could only mean good things when Dieppe was assaulted by some randos, right? Right? Yeah, of course. Also, Dieppe is a significantly worse place to land uh, for reasons we'll talk about. There's oh, that's, that's not good. Under no circumstances, this place should have been like pointed out for an amphibious landing. Now, with that, Operation Rudder grew to include 5,000 soldiers, uh, British, Canadian, and American. Accompanying this dramatic increase in manpower was a grand plan involving parachute drops, infantry battalions, oh, tanks, no. naval gunfire support, and wave after wave of RAF bombers. There was the added benefit, at least according to the uh, RAF, that the Luftwaffe would have, like I said, had no choice but to come out and respond, leaving their safe haven and fighting them in the air. Mm-hmm. 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 Yep. However, plans change. Um, Mountbatten and higher command this in general. Like, this, is, this, is, this is just like, yeah, dude, we're going to throw out the biggest party you've ever heard of. All the girls are going to come. Uh, we're gonna have beer, we're gonna have weed, and then you get there, and it's just nine dudes, two medium pizzas, and you're just like, I'm just gonna go home. Yeah, and maybe some like ragweed that they like <laughs> looks like some mixed, mixed into a can of skull. Yes, <laughs> I bought this from a guy who had it stored under his ball sack. <laughs> oh man, we're just talking about high school now. Um, but you know, plans change. Mountbatten and higher command in general eventually simplified their raid idea, which generally means making things better, like. Simple military plans are always better, normally. Um, but every decision they made actually made Operation Rudder significantly worse. Now, it was, it was going to be a frontal assault on the town of Dieppe itself with infantry and tanks. Slowly, resources were stripped away from the plan. The Royal Navy would not commit capital ships for gunfire support. Then the paratroopers were cut. And they were replaced with a detachment of commandos. And then the RAF canceled the bomber support, replacing it with instead single engine fighter planes. Uh, okay, this, this feels like a pretty significant downgrade. Yeah, this is like, let's do an amphibious operation. You have an amphibious operation at home. <laughs> uh, you can see how all of this makes the plan much worse. And this is one of the things that people say. They're like, oh, well, you know, they learned how to do D-Day. But the thing is, is they already knew. Hence, right. like the original rudder operational plan would have been fine. Well, I mean, it would have been, it still would have sucked, but it would have been fine. It covered all of the problems that they claim Dieppe solved and made possible for Overlord, like fire support, air support, communication, paratroopers. Like you already planned this <laughs> and you fucking axed it for budget cuts or something. I don't know. Right. 
Now, this isn't even accounting for the geography of Dieppe itself, which I've already kind of given away. This is part of the French coast that is dominated by high cliffs, which is already a bad sign. That meant as soon as you landed... Let's do this. Yeah. I mean, this meant as soon as they landed, everybody was on the low ground. Bad sign number one. That meant for massive stretches of the coastline, it was all but impossible for people to land there. So that meant if the Germans planned for an amphibious assault in the area... There was only one place it could have landed. Dieppe. This is the only beach that was even remotely Whoops. possible. <laughs> and, you know, say if you had been constantly being raided by sea from England over the last couple months, you might reinforce this one beach they might land in. <laughs> and the, the decision to defend this beach was made even easier because the Germans also had maps and they went, Wow, this beach is really close to England, isn't it? It's only like 70 miles away. This would be a really easy place for them to raid. Well, good thing they're not planning anything, surely. <laughs> yeah. So they built up their defenses. Uh, artillery batteries on the high ground around the port. They supported concrete machine gun bunkers. Anti-tank guns that cover the beaches. Yeah. I mean, like, of course, they prepared for what probably was going to happen at some point. Right, right. And about those beaches. They were terrible. Uh <laughs> Now, the British assumed they would be like any other kind of beach made of sand, but they weren't. The beaches at Dieppe were actually made of gravel and has been called like softball sized gravel. Now, I actually had to reach out to uh, our ocean science friend, Sarah, of it came to the sea to teach me about the science that would happen uh, when, say, you put a heavy something on a gravel beach, which is saturated with water. You sink. You you get it like it. It removes you go, to, you go to the sink. Yeah, you, you fucking sink. So say if you put thousand pounds worth of tanks on this gravel beach, useless. Immediately nothing bad, fucking useless. Nothing bad happens. What are you talking about? Yeah. Now, in case you're wondering, like, why didn't the British know this? Like, it's only like I said, seventy miles from the coast. It's really right. easy to recon, which is right. you know something that they should have known about for only several generations of warfare. Now, I believe Mountbatten. It's because they didn't. They they didn't. Uh, they didn't do anything. Um, they, Why? There was few, if any, recon flights. Um, and the ones that they did have didn't even see the concrete pillboxes that were all over the place. So I don't know what kind of recon we, flights they did. Yeah, do we know why? Just like they just said, fuck it, or? I... Uh, the, Oh, just like didn't think about doing it. Uh, like they, oh, they dispatched okay. a couple right. of recon flights, but they couldn't have been good. Uh, maybe it was overcast or something, but nobody even saw the defenses. They just saw the cliffs and they're like, that's fine. And as for the beach, another important part, um, the recon that they did for the beach itself, um, they looked at some holiday photos because Dieppe was a popular... Greatest empire in the world, baby. Yeah. Dieppe was a previously to the war, a popular spot for British holiday goers. So they, including several of the officers themselves. So they just like looked at pictures like, beach looks fine. <laughs> That is that is amazing. Now, uh, yeah. Now, um, a report read, quote, intelligence reports indicate that Dieppe is not heavily defended and that the beach in the vicinity are suitable for landing infantry and armored fighting vehicles uh, at, uh, at some points, which is another one of those moments where a report is wrong in every single possible way. Um, as of running down a checklist for a very, very bad idea, planning for Operation Rudder was set to go, and before long, a small flotilla began to get loaded up for the short trip across the channel. But then, as of right on cue, the Germans 
conducted an air raid right over that flotilla. Now, uh, it was in July uh, of 42, and they bombed it. There wasn't any real damage done by the bombing, but they assumed, honestly, this is probably the most intelligent thing they've done so far. It's like, well, the Germans would see all of these boats and be like, they're planning something. We should probably call this off. And they did. That, that's when they ca- they canceled Operation Rudder. Mm-hmm. The final nail in the coffin being some really bad weather that made the landings impossible uh, uh, during the time that they wanted to launch them. So it was axed. However, six weeks later, the plans for Rudder were resurrected and renamed Operation Jubilee, which is oh, the no. name that would carry over. Now... This is despite the fact that everybody knew this is a huge risk. Because like I said, like over 10,000 military personnel and not to mention the accordant civilians that went with it were involved in the planning and organization of Rudder. And since it had been canceled, these guys would have all been disembarked from flotilla, gone off on leave to the bar, to their girlfriends, whatever, and talked about this dumb shit plan that they were going to attack at Dieppe, got loaded up in the boats, and then got canceled. So it was pretty, you know, like, the uh, the information security of their raiding plans was not good. Right, that sounds pretty bad. I mean, German spies pretty routinely hung out in bars frequented by soldiers because soldiers are drunk and loudmouths for the most part, and they still are. Um, like you see reports of that all the time of soldiers getting drunk, thinking some hot girl really, really likes him. She doesn't. She doesn't. No, she doesn't. They never do. No. <laughs> Yeah, like I'm sure your 19 year old ass self with your E2 paycheck of $600 a month is really pulling uh, uh, this yeah, person really, really, very really interested ex- in you. Yeah, exactly. She's just sopping for you. I with, promise. With your fucking uh, uh, army issue belt uh, on your jeans and wearing combat boots to the bar or whatever. Yeah, they're very interested in you, you dumb motherfucker. Um, and they, the people were like, the Germans absolutely know about this by now. But right. uh, when the plan resurfaced, people were worried that if the Germans didn't know about it beforehand, they definitely would now. Uh, this led to Louis Mountbatten in his own biography by Philip Ziegler saying, what has to be one of the most timeless quotes ever when it comes to military fuck-ups? Quote, the very last thing the Germans had ever imagined that we'd be so stupid that we'd use the same operation <laughs> plan again. <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, that's what they did. They they, they rolled out the plan again. The only real switch was all of the original cuts, the the, the no uh, capital ship support, no bomber support, all that stayed. The paratroopers are gone and the addition of 50 army rangers uh, with the rangers being instituted not super long before, modeling the commandos, and even trained at their school in Scotland. Uh, They would be the first soldiers to fight Nazis in Europe, uh, U.S. soldiers to fight Nazis in Europe. And I'm not going to defend Monty here, right? Because no, again, I hope you don't. Horrible because... pedophile. Um, but even he thought this was a really fucking stupid idea. It was a really fucking stupid idea. And we're not pedophiles and we can say that. And I, I mean, we've dogged on Monty throughout the entirety of the show because he's a bad commander. Um, and a pedophile. And a pedophile. Alleged pedophile. Um, but, you know, he rightfully is like, this is a supremely bad idea. And... Churchill was a big fan of Mountbatten. So he's like, actually, I like, I like the cut of this guy's jib. Let, let's go with it. And, you know, so it went ahead. <laughs> Just terrific work, really. The Raiders boarded their landing craft on August 18th and set sail that night. From here on out, everything went wrong. Uh, <laughs> though, credit where credit's due, they did load onto the ships correctly. So they did get that part down. Outstanding work. 
For starters, the element of surprise was immediately ruined, if it ever truly existed in the first place, as the flotilla ran smack dab into a German coastal patrol. Uh, they also then, of course, began shooting at one another, and this alert alerted the Germans uh, at the coastal defenses back on the beach like, you guys hear that? <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like a naval battle out there. Uh, and then they immediately went on full alert. So, surprise, dead, gone, before they even landed. Of course, running into coastal defenses and ships and shit meant that the landings were late. This forced them to fight through German cannon fire, ships, whatever. And that meant that the cover of darkness was now ruined. So the beach was separated into different zones, each by color. Orange, green, red, and white. And red and white were pretty much one, right? Uh, And blue and yellow. As soon as the Canadians landed, they saw something that you could rightfully consider a fatal flaw. Uh, 120 millimeter naval guns? Oh, not quite. Uh, Well, also that, but also this. (laughs) There's a lot of fatal plans here, or fatal flaws in the plan. Um, And this is a problem that anybody with a map or, you know, a recon flight should have seen coming. Well, good thing we didn't do those. The beach that they landed on was dominated by those cliffs that we had talked about on three sides. Oh, so it's literally shooting poor Canadian ducks in a barrel. Yeah. Uh, that meant as soon as they landed, they were being shot at by all sides other than the open fucking ocean behind them. And this was especially bad on Blue Beach with the Royal Regiment of Canada, which probably is the most mangled unit of the battle. Not only did the Royal Regiment get dropped into a shooting gallery, the Germans saw them coming the entire way since the landing started a full half hour late. Long after the alarm had already been sounded due to all the fighting at sea. This meant their sneaky nighttime landing was now going to be done at dawn. Uh, <laughs> that's bad. Yeah. Also, from where they were dropped, their objective required them to salt straight up a nearby cliff uh, where they were supposed to take out some machine guns and artillery. Even worse. The only cover the Canadians had during this assault was a seawall, which the Germans knew that would be a cover to anybody landing on the beach. So that's why they placed a machine gun bunker specifically to be able to sweep behind the seawall, which is what they did. So as soon as the Royal Regiment, as well as elements of the Black Watch of Canada, hit the beach, they were completely... Sick name, though. Sick yeah, name. The, the, I will say something. Commonwealth military names are much better than ours. <laughs> uh, as soon as they hit the beach, they were doomed. 22nd dumb tanker. Yeah. They landed at 5 a.m., give or take. By 8.30, the units on the beach were destroyed. Oh. Of the 556 men of the Royal Regiment, 200 were killed, 264 were captured, and only 65 escaped back to England. Jesus. Yeah, it's some like Passchendaele numbers. <laughs> That's real bad. Green, orange, and yellow beaches were hit pretty much simultaneously. However, that wasn't supposed to happen. On their way to Yellow Beach, the boats carrying number three commando and the rangers that were with them ran into more German coastal ships, which meant the landings had to be abandoned, and the order was given to do just that. But their communication systems didn't work great, and about five landing craft carrying about a a total of 100 men just kept going, having no idea the rest of their backup had been called off. Christ. Also, independent of that, some of the landing boats had simply broken down and they okay. couldn't yeah, they couldn't take part in the landing. Somehow, these happened to be the most successful landings of the entire operation. Uh, it, this could easily be attributed to the fact that these were specially trained commandos. This yeah. was the one thing that they were supposed to be used for. Um, 
Well, they also ran out and immediately got pinned down and shot to pieces. They simply kept going. This is where the first American casualties of the war in Europe occurred, with Lieutenant Edward Vassalot of Franklin, Louisiana, being the first killed in action. The Rangers and the commandos of Three Commando didn't do so great on the uh, on their assault on the town of Berneval, uh, and it had to be called off. But Four Commando over on Orange Beach actually achieved their mission. Um, they got off the beach, assaulted into the town of uh, Varingville, and took out the German artillery batter- batteries that were stationed there. Mm. So you did it. Nobody else would, though, unfortunately. Oh. <laughs> well, you did it. Yeah, good job for Commando. Landing at the same time as the Commandos was uh, Green Beach, made up of the South Saskatchewan Regiment and the Cameron Highlanders of Canada. Their mission was to assault over the beach and into the town of Porville, which was home to a German radar station. They were to capture it, and a RAF technician that was accompanying them was to like disassemble it and bring back pieces. The South Saskatchewan Regiment landed on, uh, on time in the darkness and achieved an element of surprise. But the Royal Navy landed part of the unit in the wrong place. Ideal? Yeah, probably also something to do with being the fact that you were landing in darkness. <laughs> yeah, couldn't see where you were going. Um, this forced that part of the unit to cross over a nearby river and bridge to get to where they were supposed to go, which ended them, of course, getting pinned down on that bridge. Um, despite all of this, the Highlanders landed playing their pipes while getting shot to fucking shit. God, God bless them. Yeah. <laughs> and when the South Saskatchewan soldiers got stuck uh, on that bridge, their commander, Lieutenant Colonel Cecil Merritt, took off his helmet and was swatting soldiers on the butt playfully with it, saying, quote, come on on over. There's nothing to it to get them across the bridge. <laughs> and uh, Merritt and a few of his uh, soldiers charged machine gun nests and took them out one by one by throwing grenades into the firing ports. Uh. Uh, right. Merit is another one of those classic, like old timey badasses yeah. uh, that looks more like a guy who would look at a, uh, that would like work at a library. Just rolled in, right? Yeah, and he's a lieutenant colonel. Like you don't see lieutenant colonels charging machine guns with hand grenades. Uh, <laughs> let the good times roll, I guess. Yeah, and I mean it worked. He motivated his men to get the fuck across the bridge. So whatever. Right, fair enough. Despite all of their sick pipe playing, the Highlanders only made it about 2,000 meters towards their objective before being forced to turn around and retreat back to the oh, beach. Oh, fuckers. Goddamn yeah. Germans. Merritt and a few others organized a defense of the beach as a rear guard action so you know some guys could actually reboard their fucked up shot-to-shit landing crafts and retreat back out onto the ocean. Uh, while commanding the defense, uh, all of his runners were killed. So uh, Merritt just said, you know, whatever, I guess I'll do this myself and began running from position to position uh, to pass commands. Holy uh, shit, somehow he survived, was taken prisoner and was awarded the Victoria Cross. I think he earned it. <laughs> yeah, it's a earned it. He's like, I guess don't uh, don't pass orders to do a job that you have to do yourself. Mm-hmm. Now, all of this sounds really bad and it is. Um but we haven't even actually gotten to the main landings, which were at red and white beaches. This was the bulk of the normal soldiers uh, to assault the town of Dieppe itself. Sure. By the time the main body of soldiers landed there, all of the battles we had already just talked about had started, which meant their defenses were fully manned uh, and oh, no. preparing for their turn. Right. Uh, right and sure. As these landing craft were slowly floating towards them. The only support that they had in any way was some strafing runs from British fighter planes. Come which, on, man. Yeah. <laughs> Come on. Which was not enough. 
Um, you know, uh, the the infantry landed first, and then the tanks, which immediately got stuck in the beach uh, on our snowball-sized gravel. Yeah, and the ones that didn't yeah. get stuck couldn't get over a nearby seawall, making them completely useless. Jesus Christ! No, dude, just think of them as stationary guns. <laughs> well, once you get stuck behind something, it's very easy to take a tank out, uh, which is generally what happens. There's like no shortage of like abandoned or burnt down tanks from the beaches uh, or pictures of those from the beaches of Dieppe uh, or like curious German soldiers sitting on them and smiling. <laughs> now, for the infantry, that meant they had no support whatsoever of any kind once they hit the shore uh, and they were facing you know, hardened concrete bunkers and trench lines that the Germans were fighting from. Not a good day at the office. That's not what you want to fight. You don't want to, no, you don't want to fight no, a concrete all, bunker really. with weapons you can carry in your hand. Um, no. Most soldiers did not make it far when they hit the beach. Um, though some managed to assault through this and actually got into the town of Dieppe itself. Um, but it's not very far and uh, not for very long. Then somehow, some way, Someone radioed back to the fleet, telling them that the assault on Dieppe was going great, and they had achieved a breakthrough. Now, (laughs) I don't know why this happened, um, but according to the operational plans, once a breakthrough was achieved, they were to send in reserves and secure the beaches. So this meant while units on the beach were being mauled, Someone sent a message back saying everything is going great. Please feed more soldiers into this buzzsaw. What the fuck? And so General John Roberts, a Canadian general, um, got this message and he could not see the beach himself. So one of the things that the there were British destroyers off the coast. And just, despite not giving gun support, one of the things they did is fire smoke screen shells, like uh, smoke shells to form a smoke screen. Sure. And really, all it did was obscure the beach for air cover and the fleet. So he could not see the beach. Um, he had no way to confirm that there was a breakthrough. And okay. he just kind of... Sounds sh- like he's going swimmingly. All right. Yeah, he's like, well, okay. And sent another unit towards the meat grinder. This one is uh, like a Montreal-based unit. Um, and that unit was immediately massacred upon landing. Um, some were, again, able to crawl into the town of Dieppe itself before falling apart. and then. Roberts ordered the Royal Marines to land in support of them. Uh, now, the Royal Marines were not supposed to be any part of this landing force. They were actually manning gunboats, like really small gunboats to um, escort the landing craft. So they weren't ready. Uh, they didn't have the right kit. They effectively had to jump from their gunboats into the few landing craft that actually made it back undamaged and able to go back to shore. And just like, Okay, and they jumped in those and started towards the beach, and they started being killed. Uh, yeah. When it be- when it became clear that the Marines were being massacred on the beach, their commander, a guy named Lieutenant Colonel uh, Phillips, uh, jumped onto his blown up boat uh, that was on the beach and waved off the rest of the men, desperately trying to get them to escape back to the fleet. Oh, oh, oh no! <laughs> of course, because he was standing on top of a boat on the middle of a beach full of dead bodies and machine gun bullets, oh, no. he was shot and killed. Oh my god. This is the happy laugh. This is a bad laugh. He, his actions did, however, wave off the rest of the Royal Marines. Now, at this point, the operation, well, the operation had been completely lost for quite some time. But at this point, the 
uh, operational command accepted that the operation was a lost cause. And the only problem now is how to get the survivors off the beaches. Um, and that started around 10 a.m. So at this point, some elements have been on the beach for like five hours. No, I just want to go fucking home, bro. <laughs> Uh, this required rear guard actions. Uh, a lot of Canadian uh, units, uh, like we already talked about, stood and fought while they got the as many wounded as they could off the beach. Uh, but by 2 p.m. that afternoon, the people that could and, and uh, did get off the beach had gotten off the beach. But uh, a lot of people didn't. Yeah. So how bad was this? Very. Yeah. Well. Let's, let's, let's look at the numbers. 907 Canadian soldiers died on the beach. Um, 586 suffered wounds and 1900 were captured. The British commandos and Royal Marines had 45 killed and 197 wounded or captured. And the Royal Navy lost 28% of the vessels used in the raid. Uh, not to mention a further 550 men from both enlisted and officers. The Royal and Canadian, uh, the Royal British and Royal Canadian air forces, uh, lost 106 aircraft which were the heaviest single-day losses since the beginning of the war, uh, which is also including the Battle of Britain. <laughs> as for the Germans, a drop in the bucket. They lost 300 guys, uh, around 280 wounded. Uh, they lost some aircraft, of course. Um, but you know, in order to explain this historic fuck-up, uh, a lot of explanations have been given. One is that the Germans knew about the attack and had prepared for it. Uh, there's... No evidence of this, unless you count the fact that Dieppe was, and like we point out, the one beach on that side of France where a landing could take place. Then sure, um, despite countless security failings of the Allies, the Germans didn't know that there was a raid coming for Dieppe. Not, not concretely. Uh, even after their Air Force had stumbled across a flotilla meant for Operation Rudder only you know six weeks or so before, they didn't do any major changes around Dieppe. Uh, those defenses were already largely there, which meant they didn't see anything coming and weren't preparing for anything special. Several people claim that the Germans had been preparing defenses for weeks because they knew the raid was coming. This includes like firsthand accounts of French civilians. Um, But there's no documented evidence uh, with like captured German military documents to say this actually happened. Um, So they just knew where it was going to be, basically. And and, they would have had the ability to... If there's one place, yeah, okay, yeah. I, I think it's like, well, where else could it have landed? Um, and not to, right, mention, that's what not to mention, the Germans were not uh, um, shy on generating paperwork. Uh, they probably would have gotten some evidence. It. They did it for yeah. a whole goddamn genocide. Yeah, they did. Um, and not to mention, the British had broken the German encrypted communications uh, sometime before this. So you can so, break those encryptions, but you can't do a recon flight. Those are interesting right. priorities. Right. Um, so if they, if there was Germans talking about possible English plans, they would have known about them. And, you know, I assume they would have called them off. Even the German coastal ships that the British bumped into couldn't actually get on their radios and warn the shores. Um, which is another thing that people talk about is like, well, one the, the German ships saw them and, uh, warned the coastal batteries, but they didn't. Their communication arrays were damaged in the fighting, and they actually never relayed back to the shore what they saw. Uh, like they couldn't be like, "Hey, this is more than just like a random destroyer or whatever." There's a whole fucking flotilla out here. They couldn't tell them that. Um, right. There, though, there was um, a radar station and a lookout point that could clearly see. Holy shit, a flotilla! <laughs> right. So yeah, uh, this wasn't a f- 
a foreknowledge. It was just general military tactics of having a fucking sentry on guard. But my two favorite bits to add to the German, the Germans new theory are also the dumbest. Um, one was the daily telegraph crossword that came the day before oh, the raid. Come on, not the crossword thing. Uh, the clue was French port six letters with the answer being Dieppe. <laughs> now, to be fair, the war office rightfully thought like this is some spy shit and they're relaying shit back to their German handlers or something. Right. But when they investigated it, they found it was an insane coincidence. And the same thing would happen in May 1944 before the Normandy landings. Right. I remember that. Which actually was even weirder because the words Normandy and Overlord were answers. Yes. Which is so weird. Um, now, this again, maybe after you know, decades and decades and decades of investigating this, maybe it really was a sly spy thing from some double agent that never got discovered. But MI6 investigated all this. And it's like, this is the weirdest coincidence we've ever seen. Um, but yeah, now let's look at the main explanation for everything from the plan to the results. We simply had to do this in order to make Operation Overlord possible. Well, this is easily discounted by the fact that they weren't planning Overlord yet. So I mean, that was two years away. I mean, it taught us so many lessons we wouldn't have otherwise learned. Um, now, that is a reasoning almost immediately started by Mountbatten. Um, this, now, this is from, again, that article from uh, CanadaHistory.ca. Back in England, nothing mattered except the reputations to be saved. The Dieppe raid became a model for how to spin the facts, says historian Timothy Balzer. Nice name. Balzer. <laughs> Has con- uh, has conclusively demonstrated. Mountbatten's expert public relations team turned out to be better at preparing their media lines for failure than its planners had been for drawing up a, a strategy for operational success. Command Operations Headquarters instantly claimed the raid had been a great achievement and learning oh, yeah. experience. Oh yeah, that's that's why yeah it worked so good, guys. And this happened. At you both- can trust me, an alleged pedophile. That's right. Um. And this was before the casualty list became public, and they stuck to that when the casualty list became public. Two years later, Mountbatten's boosters maintained that without Jubilee's invaluable invasion tutor uh, tutorial, D-Day would not have succeeded. General Carrar said as much, and understandably perhaps, so did most of Dieppe's survivors, not wanting their comrades have been thrown away for nothing. Historians in the Canadian public have largely parroted the same arguments, perhaps because of the idea that a Canadian defeat any Canadian defeat is just too hard to swallow. Sure. I guess. Yeah. I mean, that's, that seems to track because if, if you think about it, how could you have planned this lessons learned thing? True. If you had no idea about the operation that was to come, that that's just like backwards washing. I don't fucking know. Yeah. Retconning, they call it. And again, um, this article pretty plainly lays out that you didn't need to do any of this. Here's the thing. If you need a test run with a body count in the thousands to teach you a lesson that we need fire support, a clear chain of command, and oh yeah, don't land on the fortified beaches dominated by cliffs, you probably shouldn't have been command in the first place. Um, Now, none of these were revolutionary ideas. Um, Things such as fire support, whether it be artillery, bombers, or ships, had been known um, for a very long time. They had used them before in the raids. They had originally planned to use them here. And in fact, the concept of fire support for infantry operations had been taught in staff colleges for decades. Oh my God. They just decided to ignore all of this. Uh, 
Yeah, well, where men wear where men win glory, Joe. And the Victoria Cross sometimes. Everything's yeah. fine, Joe. Shut up. Hey, credit where credit's due. That it's not that Lieutenant Colonel's fault. No, <laughs> he that didn't, guy didn't tried. plan this shit. That he didn't plan did this his, shit. He did his best. As the blame game got tossed around mysteriously, the minutes that would have led to this authorization within a chief of staff meeting, which would have included Churchill's final authorization, are all missing, and no documentation of it exists. And Mountbatten would have largely become the scapegoat for all of this. I mean, kind of fairly. Yeah. Um, according to Churchill's own war memoirs, he admits that he authorized it and personally went over all of the minute plans with Mountbatten beforehand. Even funnier is that the complete plan of the operation carried ashore by, by Brigadier <laughs> William Southam, which you should never fucking do. Just carrying unredacted top secret plans on your body as you land Don't on a beach that. was captured by the Germans, meaning the Germans got to look over the entire thing afterwards because, you know, bad things happened to William Southam. According to David Hall's uh, the the German view of Dieppe raid uh, paper, uh, they saw the entire plan as a joke and completely impossible. Yeah. If anything, the opposite happened in regards to learning lessons. While the Canadians and the British really can't say they learned any lessons, the Americans maybe could because they had never done anything like this before. Sure, sure. But I mean, that's like looking at the best possible outcome. You know who did learn a lesson? Nazi fucking Germany. <laughs> Right. They learned a lot the guys, from this. These the guys who didn't want to learn at all. The raid at Dieppe was one of the reasons Hitler began ordering a massive static defense uh, buildup operation to start at beaches and uh, and gave a specific document to commanders in these areas to plan for coastal defenses in depth. Good job, everyone. <laughs> Give yourselves a round of applause. You really did it. You probably made Overlord way worse than it had to be. <laughs> uh, that's uh, that's British ingenuity, boys. Yeah, who would have thought all these pedophiles to get all these Canadians killed? Uh, I hate pedophiles. Hopefully that's <sighs> that's not a controversial thing to say. Uh, to someone, it probably is. <laughs> so, uh, uh, Liam, uh, on a lighter note, we do a thing on this show called Questions from the Legion. Um which generally have nothing to do with killing Canadians or pedophiles. We will not be covering Stalingrad. Cannot emphasize this enough. <laughs> oh, we will be. I promise you no, we'll we be won't. covering Stalingrad no, at no, some point. We won't. We won't. I will do that to myself at a later date. We won't. Uh, today's I'm question. your boss, Joe. <laughs> You're fired. I'm going to put on my best Vince McMahon voice and fire you. Don't which means me. you can come back like six months later with really cool theme music and then I'll act all shocked. I need the money you give me. <laughs> Uh, today's question, the Legion, is um, generally people in Hollywood suck. Who is a famous person you actually like? Uh, Woody Harrelson. Woody Harrelson. Why? Yeah, because he's in a lot of my favorite movies and he has decent politics. Uh, I, I like his dad more. Yeah, his dad was a was he a serial killer? He was a, he was a contract killer. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, 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 I yeah, believe yeah. he assassinated a, a state or federal judge or tried to. I don't remember which one. Yeah, we have all made mistakes. Uh, I don't know if it's a mistake. It's just a job, you know? Yeah. I assume he's like nothing personal. The contract killing factor. Yeah, that's right. Mine has to be John Cena. (laughs) He's apparently a very nice guy. Yeah. I mean, he did some shitty things early in his career, uh, like most wrestlers do. But like ever like um, I I didn't even like I wasn't watching wrestling when he was famous. But like as a person, he's done like 700 fucking make a wish. Yeah, he's done the most I think of anybody. Yeah, that's just. 
cool as hell, especially for a guy that clearly spends most of his time ingesting anabolic steroids. Uh, like, I'm glad he can take time off to do that. Um, anyway, this is where, like, someone comments, like, actually, he did this terrible thing. And then, you know, that's just how yeah. famous people are. Yeah. Um, wow. Oh, and Peacemaker Rules. That show is fucking great. Yeah, it's a good one. Highly, uh, highly recommend it, actually. Yeah. Um, anyway, uh, Liam, thank you for joining us. Plug oh, your show. I have two, motherfucker. You shows. Them. Well, there's your problem. Right. 10,000 losses. Listen to them. They're shows about things that will interest you. And uh, thank you for listening, everybody. If you like our show, consider donating to it. Or if you don't want to do that and get bonus stuff, uh, a review is free. Um, it helps us for algorithmic-based reasons, which I do not understand, but it does. Um, Engagement. But- Whatever that's the, why more. I don't days. understand metrics. I barely I, understand the own platforms that I put the fucking show on. Okay, well, I'm just trying to help you. <laughs> I need a I need a, st- uh, a stats guy to figure all this out. From you are a stats guy. Um. Anyway, Liam. Again, thank you, everybody. Uh, don't um uh employ British pedophiles to play. Yeah, also, don't be a pedophile yourself. <laughs>